हेलो एवरीवन हाय हेलो एंड वेलकम टू एक्सप्लोरेशंस ऑन फेमिनिस्ट लीडरशिप बाय वन फ्यूचर फेलोस 2022 अ पॉडकास्ट बाय द 2022 कोहर्ट ऑफ द वन फ्यूचर कलेक्टिव फेलोशिप वेयर वी डिस्कस एग्जामिन एंड लर्न अबाउट ऑल थिंग्स फेमिनिस्ट लीडरशिप माय नेम इज मृणालिनी एंड आई एम पूजा रेजिया एंड आई एम एलेशा एंड टुडे वी विल बी टॉकिंग अबाउट changing narratives of leadership and heroism in a physical setup in mumbai and we just had a very flowy conversation in such a beautiful environment and very cute cafe and we just had let each other's conversation flow and guide us through our discussions we understood that how leadership and heroism they're not just restricted to the outside world or our workspaces but something that are deeply and inherently connected into our being as well We hope that you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening in and let's begin now. I'll tell, I'll tell you like the image that comes into my head the moment I say these fancy words. It would be like of some man who's like tall and like very like muscular and like you know like full on I don't know man. Like some <laughs> some just really strong buffy guy you know who can just take on the world literally. and he believes that that he can because the world has like told him like oh my god you can do everything like the world is that like something like that that is true that's true but the problem with heroism the first problem is that it automatically places the burden of saving on one person and also victimizes the other one okay i feel that hmm. there is this big issue of codependency which arises thanks to heroism I'm trying to get over here is that if you're going to put these social roles onto women, they're automatically not going to have the space to become financially or emotionally independent, even if they wish to do so. Yeah. Or at least, like there will the 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 set of resources are unequally distributed over here. Yeah. So it like it makes the quote hero indispensable. Yes. It means that he or usually. He yeah, is required. Yes, in order for the other person to survive. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I feel a lot is also about how it's presented to us on the table. You know, like stories are literally what is being told to you. Yeah. How I narrate a story is what the story will be for you, rather than what the story really is. Yeah. yeah. So something of similar sort, I feel, happens with the shades of leadership and heroism as well. It's like a system. That's not really facilitating independence. Mm. Like it's not really right. allow giving someone the resources to be able to stand on their own because that's dangerous. Like, yeah. Why is it dangerous? Because then the hero might have less. Again, equity comes over them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like patriarchy in itself is propagated by this by inculcating the sense of. dependency on the hero yeah do you want to share some thoughts anything actually i rather had um uh, today it was my uh, ceo's birthday right like she she's yeah. like she don't i think 51 or 52 and she's running to organization 
right yeah. now. We've also got like it would be really nice to have like a handwritten note card from right. every person in your team, a small team. And sort of majority of the note cards said like you are a really good leader and I aspire to be, including myself. Like I, I did say that. Like, she's, I wouldn't say she's perfect, but it felt like true because everyone had their own words to express it, not like a message that you copy paste. Right. So yeah, so even she felt very hard felt after she read all of that. So yeah, so that is something I was just thinking on when we were we wanted to talk about leadership and like this happened just today. Right, so yeah, that was sort of going on in my mind. Is she the first uh, boss or like female like leader that you've experienced on like such a close level? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And she like it's been four four months to be there, but like she has taken care of me in a way like she involves me in the conversation. They're like senior in the position also in the age people are there. Yeah, she's willing to open the door yeah. for you and yeah. and not just yeah. to open it but to help you walk through. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful because I've had um, mostly female bosses in mm-hmm. a lot of my work situations say in the last 10 years. And I think they have all embodied extremely male forms of leadership. And right. I've mostly experienced being yelled at, being shamed in public mm-hmm. and like extreme anxiety on their part to match up and live up to their counterparts who are all males. But I've found that most women who are in leadership positions that I've experienced are under such severe stress and have worked so hard to get there. But once they're there, they don't really have the bandwidth to examine how they're doing it. They're so caught up in remaining in that position and proving that they are worth staying there. Right. Uh, and there's like like so much to fight against in order for them to remain in those positions. Right. right. Where does the energy remain to reflect? Right. And but I wonder how. Like I practically, genuinely wonder how did your boss get there? Right. You know, I I I was thinking about it. So I from I don't know her entire story yet. But from my what I understand, she was an educator. She was a teacher before. So I think that sort of like how you behave with a student hmm. might be coming into her leadership style yeah. in a way, like the empathy in a way. Yeah. And she started her leadership learning around in her 40s. So I think the age factor also like she might be a little more secure even though there are like other men who might not making her feel very secure but she herself in the person might be a little more secure. Like that sort of maturity might have been a part of it. Listening to the two of you in, in, in general, if you think about a leader, uh, for me a leader would be someone who opens the door for you like Pooja just said or you know who brings you inside, who makes you a part of the table, who gives you a seat at the table and yeah. also gives you the respect to, uh, it's the respect plus the strength to you know go out and make some courageous uh, calls or make some courageous decisions or just put your opinions down on the table. Sometimes you do need that push and you need that faith also that alright, even if I do screw this up, I have somebody at my back. Only then I can take these bold calls or so to say. Yeah. I feel I think this this trait of leadership or of an ideal leadership so to say, if we think deeply about it, it stems from having a high EQ or like a high emotional quotient, right? Mm. It stems from like she said. High sense of security, yes. Empathy, yes. 
being uh, no, being able to uh, being a good listener yes being able to find faults within yourself yes being able to provide a sense of affection also to the other person like that yes i like you and i've got your back the traditional um, top down no- notion of uh, the leadership what happens is that again it is the entire burden of being a leader being a hero is placed on one gender the same gender is conditioned to be uh, to be born and bred in an environment where emotions are a sign of weakness when emotions are a symbol of weakness how are these individuals supposed to bring emotions to the table when they are practicing this need work on our emotional capabilities emotions are not a sign of weakness we need to like probably make like put it on our shirts and wear it every day i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> i mean it does take the yeah. nervous awareness and it takes you to keep repeating yourself and you have to keep drilling it in because so many years of conditioning that we have done up against you know right yeah so i'll i'll, I'll come into the emotions i'll just speak about my boss because this is on my mind today i can't like think of any other example it's good to i think to speak from where you are so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um so she uh, has like a little louder voice like her normal pitch is also a little higher so when she gets angry her voice like becomes a little more higher right yeah and she is aware and she has like told us that if i'm angry i'm not angry at you i'm angry at like the situational what has happened right. but never it's never personal if i say something it's never personal she has like you know made that warning clear again and again yeah. and she is the someone who loses her temper like pretty quickly and she's aware about it which is a good thing i'm yeah. not losing the temper part but being aware about <laughs> it is a good thing <laughs> yeah but it's showing yeah. up as human yeah as flaw and and yeah. like imagine like if i'm a new employee and putting this out in front of me also takes a courage right right like, of because course. if someone new comes into your environment you want to like impress them or as a leader you might want to boss them or whatever but like putting this part out is also very human or like empathetic thing to do right when uh, you i think said like you were opening the door for others yeah. is very important so she she does other other colleagues also to you know i want you to do this by yourself so that you learn so that you you are capable of you you can take it forward you don't have to come to me always she has this this very small small nuances that happens every day so you miss it but when i was reflecting it today since everyone wrote everyone appreciated her as a leader so i was reflecting and this was like every day thing that happens so which is like a yeah. very different practice than what we see otherwise yeah. right and that's it and i feel like that's something <laughs> something to do with um with not withholding information like i think if she's willing and not just willing but interested in her co-workers picking up skills and taking them forward independently then she has to be transparent about how it's actually done and what are all the moving parts that go into making this thing happen and i feel like what often happens with hierarchical or top down leadership and a lot of say masculine or male forms of leadership that i've experienced is a withholding of information i think that comes from insecurity or yeah. their position because if i know how to do it then you don't have to do it any yeah right exactly. and this is something i have thought about a lot in the context of family yeah okay so i have wondered again and again you know like if when i was a child my father felt open enough with me to tell me the bank balance 
this is how much money we have. I knew my chocolate was five rupees, but I don't know what is that five rupees coming out of. Right, right. So I have no perception of what is the whole, and then how am I expected to make decisions that then help the family? You know, even as a child. And I feel like growing up now as an adult, the the genuine daily problems I face with financial management. Like mm-hmm. sure, it might be my terrible math skills. <laughs> it might be my inability to remember numbers. But it might also be the fact that so much information was withheld in the times when I could have picked up these skills. That because my father needed to maintain a certain sense of having the prosperity. Yeah. Even if it didn't exist, he felt a lot of pressure. So yeah. Even if there was no money in the bank account. to pretend that everything is fine, fine. Yeah. yes so you don't feel stressed out right. you know and i can understand that might even be empathy you yeah. know there might even be empathy on the part of the father that i don't want my child to be really really worried about this right now so i will just pretend everything is fine, fine. everything is and i won't tell them that we have no money yeah and i, I think yeah, that definitely also comes with a certain amount of privilege yeah. like to be able to withhold that information um but yeah i think that's like a good example of maybe how information withholding prevents like yeah um independence definitely. of in a workspace as well or uh, in the world you know like if we don't know even if we, also if we don't personally put in the time say, to study all the laws then how the fuck are we going to walk around and like So, also know how to use it. Like I don't want to elaborate more on this, but political leaders, what they are doing, they are like basically withholding lot of information, uh-huh. right? And yeah. that's how they are controlling everything around us yeah. in some way or the other. Yeah. I, uh, you know, coming to what Alicia spoke when it comes to like a family structure, and first of all, so brave of you to like just speak about. <laughs> like but thank you for bringing it up because I feel. Uh, Withholding information, sense of security, extreme valid points. But uh, one more over here, I see this this mirage, this the facade that you're talking about, this mirage of perfection, which the society in uh, as a whole chases constantly. We are the perfect family. My workplace is the perfect workplace. Please tell me one perfect family that exists because I don't believe there's none. But if I go home and ask my dad, he's like, "Oh, we are like the perfect family. Why would you say we are not? You know?" And then he'll get like stressed the shit out if I say, "Oh, we're not." You know? If you make, if you think about it, if you make women or if you make individuals capable individuals, the relationships they form in their lives. will come from a space of want desire and not from a sense of need as an agency as a society being an agency i feel it uh, marriage is a very big part of the indian uh, spectrum or i would even say the south asian spectrum as a whole right if you think about how marriage is actually broadcasted or advertised i'm sorry these are very technical terms but it is kind of advertised right it's drilled into your heads right from the time you're born that oh marriage is like the best thing ever to happen to you and what not i feel what happens is that over the years they they because they're so desperate to keep this one institution going or they believe that a set of institutions can only and only take the community ahead in the right spirit 
that to continue these institutions they create such dependent creatures all together that that by the time you are an adult like okay fine you you know that you suck at math you suck at numbers you suck at all of these things but you are still trying that takes a lot of courage a lot, and i'm not like saying this with any disrespect but a lot of girls might stop and be like you know what i'm not good at all of it why don't i just get married to the guy like my yeah. parents are like telling me about and like he'll take care of all of this bullshit and i can like have my breathing space yeah i'm not judging them this but i'm what i'm saying is that there is a sense of incapability that is being propagated in the society as yeah. a whole yeah in order to ensure the success of a couple of institutions which the society wants yeah. and so and why and why are we chasing these things because we we are so scared that independence will demolish the sense of community when in reality communities flourish the most when they are coming from a sense of independence Love that. I should not need to be with you all, but I should want to be with you all. No. And the problem is that when, when individuals are conditioned and brought up, and they have been like structured in a way that okay, I do need these institutions for my survival, for my existence. The choices are never your choices. The choices are always the choices of the society. Yeah, especially in this cases where like uh, someone is getting married or because of uh, yeah, I I can't do it. I need a yeah, man. Yeah, that yeah. is how I am supposed to live. And like you are getting married for the need and not the want. In right. Way. So like later on, like after a certain point, you are like when. You don't want to be with that person anymore, or because of whatever reason. But because you need to be, you can't. There is no other way. Exactly, you're you're being trapped. Yeah, you're just completely trapped. It's like a it's like a bloody rat trap, man. Like you're shown yeah. shown the cheese, and you get into it. You're stuck, and chalo, keep eating the yeah. cheese all your life, and now you're gonna yeah. die in that rot only. So, exactly. I mean, that's very dark, also. I think there are so many women who go on yeah. these journeys every day. You know, very. we fight these ideas and we try to change the narrative of like our roles in our families and like there i just had nimbu um, pandit my very close childhood friend before coming here and she was sharing with me how maybe in her family her father has always earned more than her mother right so she never knew that she would be in a relationship where she was the financial supporter and now she is she's engaged and she kind of earns more than her partner does and she thought he would be uncomfortable with it and she was shocked that he wasn't that it that it never even comes up for her that yeah. it's so comfortable just to support each other without it needing to be more him or even right. needing to be entirely equal and i think that's the point where i see some cracks in the world forming mm-hmm. and like some narratives actually beginning to change right but i wonder what level they happen on like i wonder if it can only happen i don't believe it can only happen in a space of privilege but i believe it's more possible like when yeah. we have the ability to have these conversations right that like yeah. narratives do you feel like narratives change faster with the privileged spaces of privilege yeah i think But like not every time, but definitely this privilege sort of aids it. Like yeah. lack of privilege might bring certain more obstacles than there is already in the world. Yeah. Like 
Yeah. You know, I I I don't think so. Yeah. I don't, I've met the most uh, broad. minded individuals who come from a space of zero privilege and i've seen like it's probably in my opinion is a little biased based on my experience no but that's how it should be that's what i want to know yeah <laughs> like imagine that the society and its notions are like this big giant tree probably like that one over there okay a tree like a big big tree okay? okay and the branches are like super wide and it's like huge like the tree is a big big massive tree the canopy is like really vast and it's like covering everything possible and it's like a super big ass tree imagine there comes like a small budding plant like so a small bud has just planted on on like on the floor on the soil okay a bichara as long as this tree is like so vast and it is covering the entire universe <sighs> that was something huh so thank you for listening to us again we are banalini puja and elisha talking about the changing narratives of leadership and heroism we hope that you will take the time to examine the ways in which you have learned to lead the ways in which your community is led and the ways in which narratives are shifting around you and we hope you will continue to plant seeds and to grow and to push down the trees that need to fall to our listeners thank you for joining us and listening today We really appreciate your support. If you liked this episode, please follow One Future Collective at One Future Collective on Instagram and Facebook, <laughs> and keep an eye out for future episodes of Explorations on Feminist Leadership by One Future Fellows 2022. We look forward. watching you grow until next time take care of yourself and we know we're going to be exploring so much more together love from renalini puja and elisha good night good morning good afternoon <laughs> however and wherever you find yourself thank you like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store